0: welcome back to burn the haystack with josh and jesse i'm jesse and i'm josh
1: and this is a podcast all about saving the best and burning the rest
0: Sorry if my audio sounds a bit weird, I am recovering from a bit of a sickness, you might be able to hear, and I'm also in a very echoey room. We had to record on Zoom this week, funnily enough, even though the we irony. live in the same, I know, but well, I don't know, we just, <laughs> we couldn't figure out the right time and just schedule we thought, that, oh, I'll we'll just do this one on Zoom and hopefully we'll get back in a good schedule. So good to be here today.
1: Yes. Revival is in the air, Josh. I don't know if you've oh,
0: heard. Oh, yes. Well, I don't know. It's a bit old news now. But we wanted <laughs> we to look, do an episode.
1: Yeah. To be fair, we have been talking about doing an episode on this for a little while. So we can pretend like we were onto it when it was relevant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we actually, I don't know. There's messages from us from like when it first started. But anyway, I've just been overseas and whatever and we've both been busy and had to go away. So it's just been pushed back and pushed back. But anyway, um, I think it's better to talk about it better late than never, right? I would say that revival is always a relevant topic. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would agree. I would agree. In case you're unaware, today we're going to be talking about the As, As Asbury revival, Asbury yep. University revival. And yeah, I think there's lots of interesting questions it's brought up and lots of ideas and i think you know just questions about well people are saying this is revival people saying it's not what is it do we believe in it <laughs> i don't know is it a thing i don't know if we necessarily have all the answers but we've got some i guess some points to talk about that i think will be interesting where did
1: you first hear about the asbury revival
0: facebook do you remember yeah oh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah i i, I it was while I think I was getting ready to go to Empower I think our ministers meetings I remember that's what was on my mind those meetings coming up and I remember just scrolling through my Facebook and seeing these articles like something is happening at Asbury University and I was just like what? and I like took a, I just took a quick quick glimpse into it I didn't read the whole thing it was just about this like oh they had a chapel service and it's still going like a day later and I'm like oh mm. that's pretty cool good on them and then did not pay attention to it for like a few days. And then I looked again and it had snowballed. Yeah. (laughs) What about you?
1: I think it was Instagram. I just, it was either Instagram or TikTok. And I was so confused at first because I'd never heard of Asbury University before. Actually, initially I thought it had something to do with Corey Asbury, the best singer.
0: Same, 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 yeah.
1: I was like is this a trend to do with one of his songs or something like that and then obviously yeah quickly found out that had nothing to do with him whatsoever and that this is some university in Kentucky and I, I watched I actually ended up watching the sermon that started it all and I was just struck by how I don't want to say pedestrian but like just how conventional it was or just how conventional it all started like it wasn't A big event with, you know, millions of people or thousands of people or whatever. It was, you know, what you would probably expect to see in any college campus, Christian college campus, on a in a chapel service. You know, I've Mm. been part of those many times. You've been part of those many times. You still are at school. And then to see what happened out of it was just yeah, it was very unexpected and very surreal.
0: Yeah, I, I like it it's even even in researching like for this episode, it's been really hard to put the pieces together because it just doesn't mm. it doesn't seem to add up when you're looking at it all from a distance, I guess, and that's what to me is so intriguing about the whole thing. And so yeah, I don't know. It's been really interesting to look 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 into it and try and dig a bit deeper, but even in doing that, I still don't feel like I get it. You know, <laughs> in a way, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that, maybe that's the point. So. As far as I can tell,
1: it sort of happened as just a random end of service kind of singing session that just kind of snowballed out of nowhere. What What's your take on on that?
0: Let's start at the beginning. There's a great article that I laid, laid eyes on and read through from Christianity Today um, about the whole thing and it kind of lays out, I mean, there's lots of different perspectives on on I guess the whole thing and how it exactly started, but I really liked the way Christianity Today wrote it out. They got an article called No Celebrities Except Jesus, How Asbury Protected the Revival, and it's a really great read. I would really encourage anyone to read it if you're interested, but also just like especially there's some interesting points about how the campus, I guess, steward, stewarded the, the revival. The speaker, let me just get his name. I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong. Zach Meerkriebs. Me- I don't know. Yep. From, <laughs> I haven't <laughs> Yeah. He's preaching from on February 8th. He was preaching from Romans 12. And like, it is a pretty good message to be honest. Like when I listened to it, I was like, man, it's really like, he's really like laying out some stuff and really like laying his heart out on that, you know, particularly. And he, it's, it's, it's interesting. He actually did this little sort of altar call part like in just part of the sermon i don't know if you picked this up jesse but he said like hey if you want to come down and and pray like if you've had this stuff happen to you if you feel like you've been taken advantage of or whatever it is and you've been hurt like why don't you come down the 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 front and pray and i'll I'll be here and no one comes which is interesting in 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 the (laughs) talk and he just sort of brushes it and sort of moves on to the next part of the the message and which i think sorry
1: it's yeah. quite like all the preachers in the room are like, yeah, yeah, I get you, man. That's you know, I feel you in that Uh-oh. in that moment. You know, when you do the altar call and nobody nobody comes. You're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> all right,
0: cool. Yeah, yeah. Just like he on. handled it. He handled it well. It was kind of only like as I watched it and really like looked at us, it's like, is that is he expecting expecting that? Anyway, and in this article, it actually has this part which says, No one came forward at the end of the service though, and Mir was convinced he Quote, totally whiffed it. And he mm. texted his wife and said, Latest stinker, I'll be home soon. Oh. How crazy wow. is that? <laughs> yeah. And um, anyway, and, yeah, I know. Like, what the heck? Like, that text, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think all the preachers yeah. have felt like that before. You're just like, oh yeah. man, I totally like ruined that sermon did a terrible job. God just has his way of moving. Yeah. And then a few people stayed behind to pray and it was interesting watching, there's like a really cool little documentary that someone made about it. It hasn't got that many views, but I think it needs more, it's a pretty good one. Anyway, and uh, yeah, apparently they, like one of the guys they interviewed, he's one of the people who stayed behind to, to pray and after an hour, he left to go to class and then as he got out of his class, he could hear singing from the chapel and he's just like, oh, that's weird. And he went back up and he said like, it was surreal, like the peace. like there was a something in the room, Like." unexplainable and apparently he and a few of his friends immediately left sprinting around the campus bursting into classrooms with the announcement revival is happening <laughs> yeah
1: it's very it's very american
0: <laughs> well it is i mean this is a wesleyan university and a wesleyan right. revival is like a thing like yes, that, that's they're, true. they're taught as part of the culture to keep your eyes open for revival which i think is a really cool thing and so i guess for that and There's like a history of revivals on the campus too. I don't know if you've read about that, Jesse, but like they've they've actually had multiple revivals on their campus in the past. Okay. No, I
1: wasn't aware of that. This obviously was something that was unexpected for everybody, even those people who accept that revival is a part of it which is definitely not part of my cultural heritage even though maybe it should be
0: um in february 1905 during a blizzard a prayer meeting in the men's dormitory spilled out to the rest of the campus and the whole town and then the next year oh no sorry i'm not wearing my glasses (laughs) a few years later february 1908 revival broke out while someone prayed in chapel and the revival lasted two weeks Wow. then it happened again look just to summarize it happened again in february 1921 there was another one in february 1950 there's like a february trend going on here <laughs> then breaking that trend in march 1958 revival began as student fasting a fasting prayer meeting in the hills in the chapel again spilled over and lasted 63 hours february 3 1970 march 1992 february 2006 there was another one so they have they have like a history of revivals which is strange to think about yeah. like in a way i guess for for us and like our adventist understanding you kind of feel like aren't revivals meant to be sort of sporadic and just happen anywhere at any time like how can it be concentrated like you think it's kind of like lightning it never hits the same place twice which turns out is completely factually inaccurate but anyway <laughs> the point is we we have that sort of mindset i think with revivals it's, it's so totally random and hit anywhere and i think it's probably true in a way, but I feel like the spirit is always moving. And if you have a culture of people who are trained and taught to think that, well, revival happens here, this is a place where revival can happen and you need to keep your eyes open for it. Like when those boys walked into that chapel and they saw what was going on, their first instinct was, oh, this must be a revival. I'm going to go and tell everybody about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I walked into the chapel, even at my time when I was studying, would I have necessarily had that same instinct? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you just feel it and you just know. But maybe you, there's a level that you have to have your eyes open for that sort of thing. I don't know. It's an interesting thought experiment. I think, anyway. I think
1: for our cultural, I think for our cultural heritage, there is not an instinctual knowing of what something is if it's revival or not because I just don't think it's part of our. I just don't even think it's part of our spiritual verbiage like our. our what's the word that I'm thinking of vocabulary or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's not some like, it's some it's a concept that we know in the same way that we know the concepts of salvation or sin or, you know, reconciliation or resurrection, but it's not necessarily something that we associate with a lived experience in the same way that some of those concepts are more like theological ideas than they are lived experience and for some people you know rescue and and salvation is very visceral you know maybe because they experienced a you know come to jesus moment that was really really gripping or really real but i think mm. for many adventists we relegate revival to the the dictionary or to the theological textbook where you know we think okay this is where all the the spiritual stuff belongs but it's not necessarily a lived mm. concept
0: yeah well i think I don't know. I think it is. Like, I think I've heard the words thrown around a bit in our church, like particularly amongst pastors, maybe not like, not as much like members or just everyday sort of members. I think it's probably a thing we know about, but it's maybe so rare and so removed from a general lived experience. Like you don't even, I don't know if people necessarily expect to see it in their life.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think I have, yeah, I've heard it from pastors a lot. But I think you're right. I haven't heard it amongst our membership. The thing that I've kind of always scratched my head about is I when I hear a pastor talk about revival from the pulpit, I don't often really connect what they're actually trying to say or what they're actually wanting. Like I think I think that everybody has an idea in their head about what revival is, but I don't think that we as a culture... Or is it Adventist culture necessarily have a shared idea of what that might be? Because I think for some pastors, when they say revival, they mean social justice or, mm. you know, being more involved in your local community. Whereas other pastors, or maybe I should not say pastors, but for some people, yeah, they mean getting into your Bible more or becoming more holy, you know, morally pure or or whatever, or retreating from the world or rejecting what the world has or whatever but i don't think that there is a unified idea or concept as Mm. an adventist community about what revival actually is because i often hear about it in terms of like the latter rain you know okay we're waiting for the latter rain to fall on us and then something's going to happen but what is that something i I don't know i don't know what that something is and i don't think that we have a shared understanding of what that something is either
0: and maybe maybe there's a good thing to that. Maybe it leaves us yeah. open to what the Holy Spirit could do and it might not look how we expect it. Maybe. Or maybe it, yeah. maybe it boxes us in that if like revival doesn't have something to do with diet or something, I don't know, maybe it's not over revival if, if, if mm. such and such isn't happening or it's not revival if this isn't happening. Like maybe there's a, a good point that we can all be a little bit more open to actually maybe this is going to look a bit bigger or a bit different to what I think maybe maybe I'm just being an optimist I don't know
1: (laughs) (laughs) no look I'm, I'm with you there I think that it is a good thing and I think that as soon as you try and box the 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 moving of God and the work of God into something that is you know tangible and and something that we can measure and we can box in I think As soon as we do that, we minimize God and his work in the world. And I think that, you know, obviously the Asbury revival has been met with some enthusiasm in the greater world, in the greater Christian world, but it's also been met with some criticism. Yes. And far be it from us to, you know, come down. This is the definitive Josh and Jesse
0: (laughs) verdict. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I... I want to talk a little bit more before we get on to maybe some of the criticism, criticisms and our, our thoughts on it. I want to dive in a little bit more about just what the campus did. is pretty interesting, like immediately. Because at first, for the first day, I don't think they realized, you know, that it was actually a revival. It wasn't until like late that night of the day. And I found this really interesting. This, this is, again, from that Christianity Today article that I would encourage everybody to read. And I love this. It's so church. An ad hoc revival committee <laughs> started, started meeting in a closet and it was about seven people. They gathered in a little quiet place and they just started thinking, okay, what do we do? how do we how do we steward this and what like what are we going to do about this in the next two hours is apparently what they said and they just started thinking long term will students stay overnight what does it look like should we leave the sound system on do we let students keep bringing guitars into the chapel or whatever it is and anyway they just made all these decisions but what was really interesting i found like a little bit later on says they kept meeting in there and making decisions minute by minute did they want to put screens up for the lyrics of the worship songs no, because that might slow down revival. Should ministers who spoke oh, actually that's not the re- that it doesn't actually say the reason why. I'm just assuming that's the reason why, sorry. It just says no. Should ministers who spoke on stage introduce themselves? No. Should they put up signs asking people not to live stream? Yes. They were just trying to keep up, is basically the big thing. And it's pretty interesting. Like I guess that's what I found really interesting. Even like as problems are like as things kept coming on, like there were people who were coming onto campus wanting to do like exorcisms and that sort of thing there was another people coming in with certain political agendas from both sides (laughs) and they were just like nope, this is not what this is revival about they actually stopped a bunch of things and i again if you want more details read through it it's pretty interesting but i just think that was really interesting just the fact that the campus had a mindset of just like how do we manage this but also how do we continue the Spirit of God moving through this, I mean, in the way that we perceive Him to be doing it? And even if theologically some of us might you know have issues with is that revival or whatever? For them, that w- they thought you know this is something happening. And they don't actually call it a re- revival even on their website. They just call it the Asbury Spirit outpouring, <laughs> which is interesting. interesting. I'm not yeah. sure why, but anyway, So I I just think like there needs to just – I think people just need to celebrate, man, like the fact that the leadership really like leaned into it in both ways of like being practical but also like how do we keep the spirit going. And I just think that's really cool and I just think it's a great thing to just keep in mind for all of us to be – I have open eyes and to be aware and just thinking what the spirit's doing and how do I, how do I, I don't know. I steward this is the word that keeps coming to mind, but that's a big biblical kind of word. So I'm trying to think of better words, but how do I care yeah. for this in healthy ways? And yeah, people started just showing up with like food for people and blankets and whatever. Just so, I don't know. It's a, it's a really cool story. Little details, I think. More so than what was happening on the stage. I think what was happening around the whole thing, yeah, was just really beautiful. And this thing ended up going for like, two weeks or something before the campus had to be like, okay, we're going to just, <laughs> maybe that's a whole other part, but yeah. Oh, anyway. well,
1: yeah, no, I think, I think that's, um, that's interesting because I got, I'm not sure if these stats are correct, but the stats that I got was that during the time that the quote unquote revival was happening or the spirit outpouring was happening, there were around 50,000 people from outside the campus who came to visit. During, wow. during that time, which is pretty pretty tremendous. And I mean, like way, way more people online connecting through Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and, and all the other things. But I, I just want to jump on that piece that you were just talking about, which is, you know, it was more important to kind of reflect on what was happening to the students, mm. because I think that we could focus on the things that were happening on stage or... Or, you know, the reports that are coming out from different events that are connected to it, but I just want to touch on the Washington Post when they were reporting on this, got in contact with somebody at the university and this person says, Asbury students have been encouraged to follow the Great Commission and to take next steps. For some, this means staying on campus and processing with friends and family. For others, it means traveling to churches and groups outside of the local town for worship, testimony, and scripture. Interestingly enough, it says as well, many churches and other spaces in the state of Kentucky have been hosting revival events. However, people should always proceed with caution for revivals popping up, making sure that they're authentic. For example, revival events may be advertised online as being connected to the Asbury revival, but the school said it's not connected to other revival events at this time. So they they seem to be actively trying to contain, okay, this is us, this is what we've done, and everything else that's happening in the outer greater sphere, we're not connected to that. We're just focusing on us and The space that we're that we have created here, which I think is interesting and and probably a good idea.
0: Yeah, I think so. Like I came across on on YouTube as a YouTube channel called like Revival or something. And they're just like hosting these like Asbury Revival live streams. (laughs) But it's like kind of bogus because like it's over and they're still hosting it and wanting donations for running the live stream, whatever. And I'm like, ah, it's like dodgy.
1: It's a little cringe, yeah.
0: Yeah, it is. Like they're, try- they're, they're profiting off, I don't know. Something yeah, that just, they're not part of or. Yeah. And like something that's not even still happening, but they're promoting it as a live stream. Just- is it like just replaying the live streams that have happened? Yeah, it is. Ugh, yuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, so I can see like there's a lo- lot of logistics and I think some people had to go at the university for quote unquote ending the revival. Right. But like, <laughs> I don't know, like. Two weeks is pretty awesome. Like I don't. Know. And
1: <laughs> and this is not a big. This is not a big university, as far as I can tell. It's a pretty small place.
0: Yeah, and to be the town is pretty small too. And there were logistical problems for the actual town that were happening. Yeah. Like it was putting a lot of pressure on a lot of people. And like you know, like there are a lot of volunteers. And like at the end of the day, like they they need to bring education to people too. And that was getting hindered because of all these randoms coming on campus all the time. So. Like Not to I the
1: security issues. Like you know, you have all these people come in, and you want to assume that their intentions are good, but you know, you're also opening yourself up for all sorts of potential issues.
0: Yeah, and they didn't necessarily end it. They just said like it's now for it's only if you're under twenty five can you come in, and all that kind of thing. Like they just put some limits on it, and it, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it's like now, but it's just the fact that I don't know. I think I think like when I look at it, I think the university did a great job with it. Mm. personally, I mean, I'm, I wasn't there, but just from what I'm reading online from reports, I was just like really encouraged to see how they, how they did that. And I think maybe something we can all take note of.
1: I, I just wanted to touch on the actual content of the, the revival for a moment because there's a lot that the revival could have been. And we've already yep. kind of covered some of that ground a little bit. But I just want to also, I guess, commend the university for their and the organizers, quote unquote, even though to say organizers kind of just makes me laugh a little bit, maybe the committee or, or whoever was kind of yeah, in charge yeah. of curating what happened and what didn't happen. Many of the revivals that have happened in history that I, you know, the thing that I often refer to as the Wesleyan revivals and the, you know, the great awakenings that happened in 18th and 19th century America, A lot of those were fueled by social change in fact i was doing some reading and some historians and i don't know how true this is attribute some of these wesleyan revivals to preventing the same sort of things that happened in france during the french revolution from happening in the uk because of the way that there was a great shift of humanism and atheism during the French Revolution and you know the the conflict between the catholic hierarchy the catholic royals contributed to that sort of air of 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 conflict and animosity and a lot of that same stuff apparently was happening in the UK at the time but the great awakenings that happened at that time refocused people's attention not away from the social issues that were happening but actually helped to curb some of the really unhealthy things that were happening in the working class at the time, such as, you know, overuse of drinking and and violence and, and things like that, and refocus people's attentions on social causes like helping the poor and and feeding the hungry and and giving, you know, homes for the homeless and all that sort of stuff. And so there was a lot of that sort of potential to happen in the Asbury revival of turning people's attentions towards social issues. And I'm a little bit hesitant to say whether I think it's a good thing or a bad thing that that didn't happen. But the reality is there were, I guess, two very strong political ends of the spectrum pushing for their agenda to happen. You know, we're we're in Kentucky you know, that's the heart of the South and very probably spiritually and politically conservative region. And I have no idea about the political affiliations of this particular university, nor do I have any idea about the people who are the administrators or the students, but we can make certain assumptions, probably educated guesses about where they might lean politically based on where they are. But it seems like they didn't want to embrace that political side of things. And yet there was a lot of, I guess, controversy about whether they were going to make it political, whether they were not going to make it political, were they going to go on the left, were they going to go on the right? And they seemed to be very like, okay, we're not going to do that at all. This is yeah. going to be spiritual.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, in- I mean, we talked about it a couple episodes, but I'm pretty sick of everything becoming political. So I was (laughs) stoked that this didn't become anything political in a way. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, I think that's why I think they did well because people showed up with that stuff and they stopped it. And yeah, I don't know. I've seen sort of like your, like what you're, I guess, mentioning, I guess about the, the feeling that some have that, This should have led to maybe particular actions. There is—I saw a tweet getting shared around a lot. I don't know if you—I'll just say the name. I don't care. But John Pav Pavlovitz, Pavlovitz. the author. Yeah, I've read his book, *The Bigger Table*. Oh, cool. I think he's got another book out now. It was good. Anyway, anyway, but he had this tweet that started getting shared around. A lot. And uh, which is funny because it actually says it only has like 384 retweets, but I think a lot of people screenshotted it and shared it around in other like platforms that didn't get. But anyway, I saw a bunch of the reason I say this because I saw a bunch of like Adventists that I follow like sharing this tweet. It says, Christians, do you want to see real quote unquote revival? Stop singing, start emulating Jesus, get out of the church building and go and feed the hungry, heal the sick, care for the poor, welcome the immigrant, love the least. It takes no effort to sing, singing helps no one, go and love. (laughs) <laughs> it's spicy I, I hadn't heard that but the, yeah that's very yeah. spicy <laughs> it is it is spicy and at first I was just like oh wow yeah maybe he's right like we should you know yeah it should have read, led to people helping others in real love." and the more I've thought about it I'll I don't know I'll just be frank like I just think like that sort of thinking and like again like I appreciate I appreciate John like the stuff that he writes and whatever like I don't I, I can see where he's coming from and what he's saying and maybe he didn't like Maybe he didn't like mean it like this, but I think singing is meaningful. Like I think worshiping God actually does bring change. The evidence is like, I guess, anecdotal in, as far as just like the, the change that the revival. I'm going to keep calling it a revival. I don't care. Um, just so we all know what we're talking about. That, but there was this one interview I watched with this girl and she was saying that like the people, like she has her like least favorite people on campus Sort of thing. Like it's a small campus, like under a thousand people. So it's not like massive. And she has her, everybody, you know, you're always going to have like people you get along with. Mm. And somehow that whole week, those were the people she was spending the most time with through that whole revival. And as she looked across the room, it was all like the different social groups or people who had like, you know, seemed to be like enemies socially. They were all together all the whole time. Like it actually, what was happening was healing relationships on campus. Now, that's this one girl's interview and I don't know everyone on campus so it's completely anecdotal what I'm saying but I guess like the fact that it could bring you to love your immediate neighbor better.
1: Mm.
0: Like to me, that's, that's following Jesus. That's the spirit of God moving in a campus. Like it doesn't have to look like they're all going out and feeding the poor, which again, wouldn't have been a bad thing, you know.
1: I, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I don't, to, think, I don't think anybody's going to argue for that like no matter how conservative or liberal you are.
0: Yeah, but I just think about the story in Luke chapter 7 of the woman who came and started just like washing Jesus' feet, you know, with her hair. Mm. And then the Pharisee who house this was taking place in, he's just like, what the heck? Like she broke this jar of alabaster or whatever. Like that could have fed the poor. You know, essentially in a nutshell, what Jesus is saying is like, the you know, what she she gave, what she could. Her worship meant something and her worship is changing her Like worship is meaningful and to act like, praying and singing to God is doing nothing or that it isn't revival to me. It's kind of, I don't know, I dare say a bit pharisaical, like to say like (laughs) it should have, you know, like imagine what you could have done instead. Sure, I see what you're saying. Like great, like obviously great, other great things could have happened too. But to act like this isn't something great, this isn't a start of something beautiful, that like worshipping God, focusing on his presence, opening up your heart to him and allowing for that sort of renovation of the heart, like that is something.
1: I think as soon as you start saying well the revival should have done this or they should have done that it it goes from being a work of God to a work of people.
0: <laughs> yeah, well. And mm. I
1: don't think that's necessarily bad. I like, you know, God works with us. We are that's one of the greatest honors that we have as followers of Jesus is the fact that we have his spirit inside us and that he actually wants to work alongside us to accomplish his his goals. Wow, what a beautiful thing. But I think mm. as soon as we start to say okay well revival's great but you know it's only a real revival if it <laughs> d- does xyz i think we're taking we're, we're taking autonomy away from god and what he's directing us to do and we're putting it back in our hands and as soon as we do that i mean like that's that's garden of eden stuff man that's like you mm. know the the apple looks good in my eyes and so I'm going to take it because even though God says this is what I want I know better and I think that's sort of I have issues with with this revival but I have to remind myself that like I think I have to temper my quote-unquote issues with that idea of God is way bigger than me and his working in the world is way more important than my working in the world,
0: yeah. Uh, like I guess, and I guess the other side of the coin from that is too. Like there is probably a lev- there is a level of biblical discernment too. I guess like you know knowing what is of God and what isn't. Like knowing that there are evil spirits at work and all that kind of thing. Like it is that is reality too that we have to take into account. I, I just think like uh, I don't know. I just, I just see the the beauty of somebody opening up their heart to God in a meaningful way and in a real way and bringing their friends to do the same, and that excites me. It encourages me. And I, who knows what the the fruit of this will be? Like maybe, maybe it'll take a decade for us to see what God did from this. You know. Could be somebody who started something and then 10 years later, someone asked why. And they're like, man, God spoke to me back at a revival in my college or whatever. I don't know. Like, mm. you can't, I don't think we can rule out, like you're saying, like we can't rule out God moving in this capacity because of our expectations. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, look, I, to take a little bit of a detour and to go back to, the days of Charles Wesley and George Whitfield and John Wesley. So these revivals, there are two. There are two comparisons that I draw between this and history. There's the Wesleyan revivals, and then there's the Millerite revivals, which I don't know if you can call it a revival, but I'm just going to call it a revival because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can. This is this is my podcast yes. as well, so the wesleyan revivals did a number of things the first thing that they did was and i think is is of note is that john wesley and all of the people that were you know part of that revival they preached predominantly to non-christians so there's one thing okay and i'm not saying that as a criticism of the asbury revival but i'm just saying you know one of the things that I think is the reason why the the Wesleyan revivals were so impactful, was because you had this saddleback preacher, you know, going on his horse, traveling around the country over hill and dale, preaching to predominantly non-Christian
0: people. And in yee-haw. fact,
1: Yee-haw. And in yeah. fact,
0: do you want do you want to start a horseback ministry with me, bro? We'll just get a couple of horses, <laughs> go up great. the east coast of Australia. With our little cowboy hats. Oh, mate. G'day. Here to talk to you about Jesus (laughs) on the horse. And if you don't like it, I bet I can gallop faster than you can run. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds fantastic. Yeah, perfect. I don't know how.
1: (gasps) People would come just for the show alone and then bam, you hit them with salvation in Christ and
0: before you know it. Especially if we can get some of those really cool uh, like bedazzled cowboy. Like, you know, they wear the cool like black and silver. Like, I don't know what you call it things, outfits. The history books actually tell us that John Wesley himself
1: traveled more than 4,000 miles on horseback and he actually preached. How many, how many sermons do you reckon he preached, Josh? Like you're, you're a minister, you've preached a couple of sermons in your time. How many do you reckon that John Wesley preached in his lifetime?
0: How long was this? You said 4,000 miles. Yeah. How, how, how long like the period of time uh, or is this in his life? In, in his, his entire whole life. life. Far out. Look, at least 12. <laughs> I'm <gonna> get, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's technically maybe, correct. Maybe 20. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I don't know. Well, he's probably doing it like every day, right? Sure. Like for... Maybe. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe like... Give me a number. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to say 5,000. Try
1: 40,000. Whoa, what a dude. Oh, actually, sorry. sorry, Uh, That's kind of wrong. He traveled more than 4,000 miles annually and preached around 40,000 sermons in his lifetime. So he he traveled a lot, this dude.
0: There are all the Australians out there, 6,437.37 kilometers. Crazy, crazy. Per year.
1: That's like, that's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. (laughs) Not to mention that... Around the time of his death, his followers in in England, he had two hundred and ninety four preachers, seventy one thousand six hundred and sixty eight members in his church, nineteen missionaries, and in the u s that was a hundred and ninety eight preachers, and forty three thousand two hundred and sixty five members. Very specific statistics, but they are like this is this is the Wesleyan records. movement like this is the this is the I guess church you could say that kind of formed out of the Wesleyan revivals. These are organized people, preachers, teachers, missionaries, and you know, more than 100,000 people, part of this movement at the end of it by the time of his death. So we're talking about decades. We're not talking about a couple of months or even a couple of years. So this is like yeah. early, early you know 19th century and also a lot of, a lot of effort, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And I'm not saying, oh, well, look, the Asbury revival hasn't achieved all that, so they must not be real. What I am saying though, is that revivals like the one that happened in the, the Great Awakening and the Second Great Awakening as well in the US and the UK, they produced entire religious movements that are still having their effects today. And when I think of those and when I think of the Millerite movement in around the same time or just after, they also produced a multitude of different movements as well. And I know that in the past couple of decades, we've seen different figures, different movements. You know, I think the, probably the most striking one in the 20th century was the Billy Graham movement, which was all kind of centered around the one guy. Who was, you know, obviously such a gun evangelist? I, I don't know if there are any that that come to your mind, but I I couldn't really think of any in recent history that I could point to and say, hey, that was a revival movement without a doubt.
0: <sighs> like I w- I would say in the Western world, right? It's di- yeah, like there definitely have still been things going on in like you know Africa and, but yeah, is in terms of the Western world. Yeah, I don't know. Revival's a bit different. But, I mean, maybe you could say, maybe, I don't know. I have to think about this a little bit more. But, like, I would say we have seen revivals and movements in the Western world. But, not as much centered around a single person. Yes. Like, for example, I would say, like, there was, like, a revival in terms of, like, worship music. And that kind of thing i could say like there was a movement that has still changed the shape of the church today globally as we know it which i don't know i don't know like you in a way like you could class it as a re- i don't know it depends how specific we want to get and what we mean by revival for me i'm happy with i'm happy with defining revival as like the holy spirit working and like you know bringing bringing to life like things that need to to be brought to life, you know, and bringing that, that, Mm. like that's pretty broad and maybe that's too too broad for some. No, no, Um, I'm glad
1: you you brought it up though because I think defining our terms is both a helpful and an unhelpful exercise because on the one hand, it's like, okay, we should know what we're talking about here. But on the other hand, it's like, if we define it too stringently, does that restrict... What God is potentially going to be able to do, you know, and, you know, we don't, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to go, okay, well, a revival is this. And if it's not this, it's not a revival. But at the same time. Yes,
0: here's we- my 10 step criteria <laughs> of what a revival must be. You must um, submit
1: an application for, and then the revival committee. <laughs> it has to go. For revival the, the revival committee will be back to you in 30 to 60 business days <laughs> to either approve or reject your application for a revival.
0: Yes. yes. Well, yeah, it kind of feels like the way some people talk about it, I've kind of felt like, why are we being so... Like, again, there's that discernment thing. That's why I'm specific that I think it does have to be the Holy Spirit doing yes. it, I guess. But then in terms of like what the Holy Spirit's going to do what the Holy Spirit is going to bring to life, I'm okay with it looking a little bit different in different contexts. You know, for example, like I, I do see that something, some sort of outpouring of the Spirit has happened with music. Not to say that a specific style of music is the only one that the Holy Spirit uses. Of course not. That's ridiculous. We had amazing worship before, but there's been a sort of new thing that God's done. And I think it's brought a bunch of people into deeper relationship with Him and convicted people like in their hearts and stuff through songs that just wouldn't have happened before, I don't think. Different people. And that's what I think is kind of a beautiful thing. And I think there's, yeah, even... Like maybe the idea of what happened at Asbury, maybe it looking like more centered around one community. Yeah. Maybe that's just what the Holy Spirit needed to do. Like you know, we've talked about this before, but you know, it's sort of during that Wesleyan revival there, and even our origin as a church, people were community rich but information poor. They had strong communities in each town because you know everyone, you know, like who their dad was and their mum was and what they did and all that kind of thing. There's a lot more like community around things and. Going to church and being a part of a Christian community was more about having someone help you understand the Bible because, you know, I don't know, your education wasn't that great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. It's hard for you to read it. And so these people come to town and they teach you the correct things you need to know about God and all of a sudden it's like, yes, this is it. This is the new thing we need to be a part of because these people teach the truth. Great. And look, there is definitely still problems with biblical literacy today but it's a different kind of Mm. issue. And so I think, but there's also a huge problem with community today. So many people just do not have authentic Christian community around them. And maybe that's what the Holy Spirit needed to do. Maybe that's what the Holy Spirit needs to do in my context. I don't know, like, am I open to the Holy Spirit maybe bringing revival to my community to authentically share with one another, to break down issues of pride and grudges, whatever it is, like... Is that still revival? I think it could be.
1: I think, I I don't think know. it's really important yeah. that you mention that because when I think of just practically the effects of revival in the, the Millerite movement, the Wesleyan revivals, even going as far back as Acts chapter 2, what was the purpose of the revival? I think it was to bring God's purpose and God's power into places where God was not. And
0: the kingdom of God, kingdom
1: of God, building God's kingdom. Yep. And when I think of Acts chapter two in the first century, we have Jerusalem, the seat of power for the Jewish faith, but also a watering hole, a, a crossroads for so many different cultures. It's the perfect place for God to strike to. And, and we see that, you know, we see Peter preaching and, and the apostles preaching, and we have them speaking in tongues and, and people from all different cultures and creeds understanding what they're saying and coming to faith in Jesus as a result of it and then going back to their places and spreading the good news there and the same thing in the Wesleyan revivals you know people you know John Wesley and and all these all these folks going to different parts of the UK and the US where God's power and presence isn't and building the kingdom in these small communities and I think the reality is we live in such a saturated media media-saturated world, that in some ways that isn't as necessary today as maybe it was way back then. And so God's purposes might not be for people to find out about Jesus for the first time because they probably have already heard about Jesus, but it's about finding what it is in that community, in that context, in that place that needs to be revived and bringing God's presence and God's purposes into that place. I was debating whether I should bring it up, but I think I'll regret it if I don't bring it up. I do think that there was a revival in our context in the last 20 years. And by our context, I mean the Adventist church. And I think that potentially what happened with the one project was a profound working of God And I am very aware that as even as I say that, there are some people that are gonna be like, no, it wasn't a working of God, it was a heresy or blah 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 blah," or something, something like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But for
1: me, as a young I was I seventeen, maybe eighteen, when the first one project happened and we all heard about it. A
0: young spring chicken. Just a
1: young spring Mm. chicken. And I was like, What is this thing? What's happening? And to go, to go to a couple over the years and to see the way that Jesus was lifted up in these gatherings was a profound experience for me. And it helped me as a young Adventist to center myself in the sense of what is the main thing? The main thing is Jesus. Let's focus on the mm-hmm. main thing and let's let everything else that's part of our faith inform the, the main thing and the main focus rather than being distracted by so many of the things that we often get distracted by as adventists in some ways i think of this podcast as being a natural outflowing of that experience
0: yeah no me too yeah yeah it was the first one project i went to like i remember it so clearly and it changed my life like seriously it was it was it was exactly what i needed and i think god used it so much and yeah still helping to i guess yeah what i learned there is still helping me to undo unhelpful things i had picked up and pick up pick up helpful things help me to center my life center my faith around jesus and yeah my beliefs and yeah so i i would agree yeah it was there are so many people who i know who have the same story too yeah so to say that i don't know that like that has to have been some sort of outpouring of the holy spirit and if you're very precious about the term revival and you don't want to tag it on i don't know but it did something and to me it revived something yeah. in me that needed it yeah
1: hmm. yeah i think call it what you will but for those of us who experienced it and who Were changed by it. I've got no arguments apart from if you weren't there, then you know it's it is what it is. But if you were there, you kind of know it's maybe that's the same attitude that we need to have about the Asbury revival. You know, if you weren't there, then you know, let's treat it with some respect and let's treat it with some reverence and let's be thankful that it happened and that the people who were part of it we're able to hopefully, uh, in the next years, allow it to shape a new generation of young leaders and of faithful Christians. And let's pray that it happens in our context, in our space again, because I think that we always need reviving. There's always a part of us that Mm. is dead or dying that needs to be impacted by the presence and the power of, of God. And the reality is,
0: (laughs) <laughs> we can't do this without without revival. And I don't know there's probably a whole other thing but you know I'm, I'm aware of, of time, time restraints but like even I think the history of our church which does come from what you could define as revival like those early camp meetings and stuff that we had yeah. as a church for sure, you know the Holy Spirit did stuff in people's lives and in, in our early church pioneering family and I think as a church we still that's what I do love about that. What I read about, like that, the university is just they have a culture of keeping an eye out for revival. Mm. Now, maybe that means that maybe that could be taken out of hand, and you are kind of just like, was that revival? Was that it? <laughs> oh, what about that? You know, blah, blah. like obviously, it could get yeah. a bit out of hand. But a healthy, a healthy longing and expectation that God will move in my community and in 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 my context. And I think as a church, we. We still need that moving forward. We still need God to move as powerfully as he did, you know, in our in our early church days, as in Acts 2 early church days, but also like the Adventist, early Adventist church days. And I'm not saying that in saying we need to go back and do exactly what we did back then, but obviously they had a spirit of expecting God to do stuff. And if I can carry on in the future about, well, I want that same expectation that that same God that same Holy Spirit can and will move in my context now. Imagine what that could do. And maybe it'll look a bit different because it's a very different time and space and there are very different communities, but it's the same God and it's the same we're all still people, we still need God and we still need to encounter him. Anyway, I guess that's what I'm what I'm thinking. Mike, how can I learn what can I learn from this? What can I what can I learn from revivals we have had in our church context and look if any of our listeners have heard about more Adventist revivals I'd be interested Definitely. to hear about them you know tell us your story what you've heard what you've seen things we might have missed but anything else to add before we I don't know how we're doing for time I lost track of time yeah, but.
1: we're almost there but I look the only thing I would add is that the exciting thing and also the scary thing is in what you just said you know the way that God shows up in history has never been the same way twice. Like it's always been different depending on the context and the people that are involved. And I think that should excite us and it should be something that we are always looking for and never downplaying where God can Mm. move and what God can do. Because I think if, if we have maybe that same attitude that the Wesleyan, university students have of maybe there's a revival here. Maybe there's a revival there. Who knows where God could strike that could open us up to all sorts of really, really exciting moves of God. And if we close ourselves off to that, you know, cause it's easy to say, I think, okay, we've got our stuff as Adventists and they've got their stuff and we're just going to stick to our stuff and they can stick to their stuff and we'll just leave it at that. I think if we do that, we miss out. And, and we will miss out if, if we are not open to where God can move. But I think, yeah, let's let's be open to it. Let's be guided by Scripture and let's be authentic in our, in our community. That's all I'd have to say. I hope that God moves this week, next week, next month. Who knows? But the reality is it's God's deal. It's God's choice. And we just need to be open and receptive.
0: A good word. A good word, Jesse. Thank you, Pastor. Great. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I totally agree. But let us know your thoughts. Do you think the whole thing was a a (laughs) sham? I don't know. (laughs) Do you think, I don't know, I don't know how else people are defining it. Do you have issues with it? Do you think we were totally off the mark? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you and learn more and learn from what you have to share with us. We have an Instagram page again. Please please follow burn the haystack if you just look it up it should it should show up there's no one pretending to be us yet <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway uh, but yeah hey jump in um, and just yeah we'd love to we'd love to hear from you guys so um, thanks for listening um that that is all stay beautiful that is josh and jesse out